Hey, H&H fam, we want to share with you this recording that we had from our church, Whitesboro United Methodist Church. It's actually a time in which I interviewed Natalie on a Sunday morning. She joined us for worship. She shares a lot about her own story and also her practice as a therapist, and we want to share that with you all. So let's check it out. Welcome to Holistic and Holy, where we share conversations between sessions and sermons. I'm one of your hosts, Chad McSwain, and I'm a United Methodist pastor. And I'm your other host, Natalie Craver, licensed professional counselor in Texas. Holistic and Holy is a podcast all about mental health and spirituality. And our hope is, is that it will give you the tools and practices that can help you live holistic and holy lives as we share this journey that we're all on. So let's jump in. Uh, well, it's so good for us to be together today. So as I mentioned, uh, today's not a, uh, a typical normal sermon, uh, but that's okay. Uh, we like to do some new and creative things here just a little bit, and uh, we're going to call this an interview sermon. That's what this is going to be today, and uh, today I have uh, Natalie Craver uh, here with me, and so can you go ahead and give her a hand and welcome her? Thank you. So uh, thank you for uh, uh, being a part of this today. So we've been in the sermon series called Sozo as we've been looking at how God heals us, body, mind, and soul. And, uh, and we've looked at the Greek word sozo. It means, means healing, saved, uh, cured, made whole. And it really is how God saves all of us, not just our souls, but, but our body and our mind and, and our emotions. All of that is a part of, of salvation. And, uh, and, and, you know, kind of part of me preparing a series, I do all my normal preparations, you know, studying the scriptures and reading and all this other stuff. But you might not have known that I had a phone a friend this whole time. And uh, so uh, Natalie and I have, have talked uh, quite a few times. Um, I think I probably owe you for some sessions uh, in the midst of this too, as we've worked through this series. And uh, as we came to this week and we were talking about this week, I thought, you know what? I'm not qualified at all to talk about trauma. So how about you come and join us? And she agreed to do that and uh, for us to kind of talk about that, how our, fa- how our past informs and affects our future and our present. So we're going to talk a bit, little bit about that today. But first, I want to introduce you to Natalie. So she's a licensed professional counselor, a trauma-informed yoga therapist who specializes in trauma and recovery using EMDR, IFS, neurobiology, and somatic experiencing. We all know what that is, right? <laughs> so I think, we, I think we understand what a licensed professional counselor is, but can you tell us a little bit about uh, maybe even being a yoga therapist, but what EMDR is and IFS, neurobiology, somatic experience, and can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, um, and what that is used for is for trauma. It's the leading treatment for PTSD, especially with military. It's very, very effective. Um, I have done it as a client myself. And what that does is it bilaterally stimulates from right to left of your brain. And when we cross that midline, we reduce the amount of trauma that we feel in our bodies and the amount of um, sensation that we feel in the body. It helps process it out on a completely different level. Um, And it helps us to then kind of change the way that we process the experience. It still happened, but it doesn't affect us the way that it did prior. Um, somatic experiencing and yoga, trauma yoga, are work hand in hand. It's, it's recognizing what we feel in the body, right? Like right now, for example, I'm a little nervous, right? I did do this eight, at 8.30, but my heart is beating really hard in my chest. My hands are sweaty and clammy. 
and my arms are a little numb, and I know that this is what happens when I'm anxious, and it's a trauma response. So using yoga and movements and things like that while paying attention to things that are happening in the body, that's somatic experiencing. And then internal family systems, which is IFS, just um, tells us that there's a little system inside of our bodies, right? We have a four-year-old, a seven-year-old, an 11-year-old, all these younger parts of us that we've kind of exiled away who maybe show up when they don't need to show up, right? When we're trying to be an adult and then this younger part um, who has a reaction to something will show up instead. And so we wanna invite those parts of us to come in and to know, you know what, I'm not four anymore, I'm actually like gonna be 50 next year. So um, that we don't wanna behave like a four-year-old. So those are some of my And so that's kinda like how we have an external family Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Family systems helps us understand our relationships where internal family systems helps us understand the relationships within ourselves. Okay. Well, before we dive into that, let's talk about your family. So we have a picture of them. Uh, Take a look at them up there. And so uh, can you tell us uh, who these fine people are? Yes. So left to right, that's my son. His wife is a picture because this was prior to their wedding. That's my son, Kalen. He lives in Colorado. Of course, Billy, who's in the congregation, and my son-in-law, Clay, my oldest daughter, Savannah, that's me, and then our baby, Emma Jo. Wow, that's great. Yeah. And so, Billy, will you go ahead and raise your hand, wave to everybody. Uh, there's Billy there. Uh, Billy is the uh, the nicest muscle-bound person you will ever meet in your life. So go say hi to Billy. He looks like a superhero. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so let's dive into this today because we're talking about trauma and how our, our past affects our present and our future. And, and so you kind of mentioned you were nervous. Well, I was a little nervous last week talking about anxiety, and, uh, which is probably not ironic at all. But uh, so how did I do? You did so good. You did great. I loved it. I love that you taught um, box breath. That was really good. You know, taking the longer inhale, exhale, holding it outside the body. I think one of the things that I would um, add to that is inhaling and exhaling through your nose. That tells our nervous system that we're okay, right? If I'm up here, you know I'm upset. You know something is going on. But if I can inhale, I can feel the texture of my breath leaving my body. So I would have added that. And then, of course, we kind of talked about the fact that you were speaking to the emotion of anxiety, where I like to talk to or speak to the sensation of anxiety, what anxiety feels like in our bodies. Um, at some point when we were little, we had an experience in our body, and we went to our mommy or daddy or grandma, whomever, and they said, well, what's going on? And we're trying to explain this to them and say, oh, you're just scared. So now when we get this feeling, we identify it as being scared, right? And that may not be what's going on. We really want to focus on the sensation that's happening in our bodies. So is there a way for us to maybe kind of illustrate that? Can you lead us in that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, okay. Your favorite exercise. Um, <laughs> so, okay, we, let's do this together. You okay. and I have already done this, and I think we have a couple of people here, here at 830. So um, you are in the grocery store. It's been a really long day for you, and you've just come in to get a few things. You've been standing in line forever. They don't have enough cashiers, as usual. And so you're awaiting your turn, several people behind you. And as you're standing there, a man steps in front of you in line. He doesn't acknowledge you. He doesn't even check. And he begins to put his groceries on the belt in front of you. As you are standing there, what is the felt sensation in your body? Y'all can go ahead and shout shout it out. You can... If you're online, you could type it in there. <laughs> like, what, the, what, what are you feeling? Anger? Anger? Yeah. What was the other one? 
Frustration. So when you feel anger or frustration, what is the experience that your body has? Elevates. So it goes up. Hot. I like hot. Was another one. Yeah. Maybe prickly. Um, yeah. Now what color is it? Red. And we all know what we want to do right then, right? Because we're hot, we're prickly, and don't we're seeing red. Don't shout that out. Right? Mine involves jujitsu. Yes. Blick so. <laughs> on the back of the head, something like that. Now, we don't know how we know this, but somehow we realize that this man has been up all night long with his wife and their new baby. He has been taking care of her all night. He hasn't slept. He's had a screaming baby. And he just needed to get to the grocery store and get just a few things so he can get back to her because they don't have any support. So he's really scared. And he didn't even realize that there was a line. Now, what do you feel in your body now? Right, sympathy. So what does sympathy feel like now? Soft, perfect. And what color is that? Blue. Right. Do you see how quickly you went from one sensation to another in your body? You did that. Your body did that for you, right? That's exactly what we're talking about. So this whole idea that, that we can feel emotions in our bodies may be a new idea mm-hmm. for, for some of us. Um, is this typically a way that you would help, help people kind of connect the emotions they're feeling with, with how they're feeling them in their bodies? Is mm-hmm. Is, this, uh, is there another way to kind of get at that, or, or kind of tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So, you know, if I have a client come in, and they're just talk, 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 which is usually what happens, right? As I'm watching, I'll see a, a second of, of the sensation in the body that they're never comfortable with, right? And I'll say, what's that? And they'll stop. What do you mean? Tell me what you feel in your body right now. And every single time... They tear up because they've allowed themselves to feel the sensation in the body. And that's what's controlling them, right? This isn't about being sad. This isn't about being scared. This is about being in a space where things are bubbling up, where we are feeling sensations in our body that sometimes we can't explain. Sometimes we don't know what is causing them, right? We just know that it's happening, and sometimes it feels really out of control. But if we can pay attention to that and recognize them, then they really don't have control over us in the way that they did before. So that's what makes me think about Psalm 139 and why it's such a beautiful psalm. And uh, Linda read it so beautifully, by the way, because um, it, it does say that we're beautifully and wonderfully made, that God knit us together in our mother's wombs, that, that oftentimes that uh, our emotions, we either, we either are afraid of them or we disregard them or we try to even stuff them, but they really are an important part of who we are. Why is it that we feel emotions? Can you kind of tell us a little bit about that? So emotions, I mean, if we're we're talking about our nervous system, and my family told me that I can't get all neurobiology and use all these big words, so, um, but, but what we know is that when something happens, right, one of two things happens, either our body feels it first, or our brain experiences it, right? So if our, for example, if I get really scared, right, we know as humans, or as even animals, we have two choices. We can run or we can fight. Now, right now, I'm nervous. I can't run out of here, and I can't fight all of you, right? I mean, that's, that's not what I can do. I have to sit here and feel the experience, and after this, I have to figure out what I'm going to do with this energy. 
Because if we don't do something with the energy of our trauma, it gets frozen in our bodies. And when that happens, every time we are reminded of that experience, we are going to have a similar sensation. The body remembers, right? The body keeps the score of our lives. It's a cellular experience. It's in our cells. And is that really what trauma is? I believe it is. I think we have a definition. Yeah, so let, uh, define trauma for us. Okay. I think we, do we have it? And we have a slide for that as well. Okay. Individual trauma results as an event, series, or set of circumstances that is experienced by an individual physically or emotionally harmful or threatening and that has lasting adverse effects on functioning, physical, social, emotional, and spiritual well-being. Spiritual well-being, yeah, all of it, absolutely. And relationships, right? So trauma continues to inform really from our past. These are experiences that we've had, mm -hmm. emotions that have been stored in our body sure. that continue to inform our behaviors now. Yes, absolutely. That's, you know, we were talking earlier about if I have a 40-year-old adult who is throwing a temper tantrum and I'm seeing this, I'm like, what in the world? That is really not that big of a deal. But I only have a snapshot of the temper tantrum, right? I don't have the history of this person's life. But what I know is that this irrational reaction is something that's happened in the past that hasn't been processed. So I'm not looking at a 40-year-old, I'm looking at a four-year-old, right? And it's the four-year-old who's having the tantrum. But if we can go back and reprocess that and understand it and then give grace to the four-year-old and say, oh my goodness, you had every right to feel that way. You should have been able to fight back. You should have had your needs met. And then they feel seen and heard then that trauma is processed out and no longer stored in that way. So is it true that everyone experiences some sort of trauma in their lives, mm -hmm. right? I think sometimes, you know, we, we use it as a buzzword. I think a lot of people get tired of hearing about trauma. Oh, everybody's got trauma now, but we really do. It's not so much about what happens to us. It's what happens inside of us when this event happens, right? It could be getting news, like talking today, I needed to be really careful about what I shared in here, right? Because that's a verbal trauma, that's secondary trauma, and I don't want to traumatize anybody with details of events or things like that. So it can cause distress. Well, can you tell us a little bit more, uh, maybe things that you don't mind sharing with us, but maybe sometimes that you've experienced trauma in your life to help us maybe reflect on our own life and mm -hmm. maybe traumas we've experienced. Sure, and I'll say first that throughout my healing journey, my therapeutic journey, that there were experiences in my life that I never thought affected me. I didn't think I needed therapy for them, just interactions with people, but they were things that made me have beliefs about myself that weren't true, right? Like, we believe there's a God. I'm a, a cradle Methodist. I know that there's a God. I believe that in my heart of hearts, but some people haven't been raised like me. But just like we believe in God, we also believe bad things about ourselves, um, so for me, going back and cleaning up some of those little things that seemed silly really helped my relationships. So as far as trauma that I do remember, that I consciously remember, I remember being four years old, my aunt was keeping me, and um, my teenage cousin, I was poking my little nose against the window, it was dark outside, and my teenage male cousin jumped up in the window with a really scary mask on. Now that has affected me most of my life until I got EMDR around it. Um, the cool thing about EMDR is that I remembered while I was doing EMDR that my aunt actually, because I, I, before it stopped right there, that was the end of the memory, was me screaming. But when I did EMDR, I remembered my aunt came and picked me up. She took me into the living room and set me on my uncle's lap, and he was watching the Statler brothers on TV. 
Like, <laughs> I remember that. I got to have access to that. So my rational belief that I wasn't safe, I was safe. I really was. And so how I processed it, that's different now. So I can look out any window I want to now. Um, when I was about six, my baby brother was learning to walk, and he was burned pretty severely. And he and my mom got into the back of an ambulance and went to Parkland, and she was gone for a really long time. Um, and even me telling you that now could possibly trigger her sitting there remembering that moment. When I was 13, I myself was burned um, in a house fire. Again, something that she has a hard time thinking about. Um, so those things, you know, being scared, being hurt, being like you're abandoned, those kind of things, those are all traumatic. But what they did for me is that they created an irrational belief in me that I'm not safe, I have no control, I can't trust myself, I'm all alone, right? All of these beliefs that have been getting bigger and stronger my whole life. So the way it affected me is I became hypervigilant. I became where I would catastrophize, right? I would look into the future, kind of like Aaron was talking about. I would look into the future and I would imagine all the most horrible things that could happen to me, right? I would play them out and in that way I wouldn't be shocked by it, right? As long as I think about it, then it won't hurt me as badly. So for me, my biggest irrational belief is that I don't have control. And in 2006, my husband was killed in Iraq. And while I wasn't there to see it, my biggest fear of opening the door and two soldiers standing on the other side of the door came true. And it affected me for many years. I had flashbacks. I could hear the sounds of my children screaming. And I had to get a lot of therapy around that, hmm. right? But part of the reason that that, not that it was, not that I don't have every right to be traumatized, but because of everything that happened to me as a child, it just proved, you're right, you don't have any control. So now, what I know is that, no, I don't. And I don't have to, because God does. Right? And now that I believe that, it doesn't, it doesn't consume me like it did before. I'm not afraid every day of my life. Well, I really appreciate you sharing those. And, and they're really great examples of how you know, maybe things in our childhood inform things that happen to us even in our adult life. You know, even some of those moments that are the worst moments that we could ever possibly fathom can happen. And, and how those things do continue to inform our future and we need to work on them sure. because they don't just go away. And, and God doesn't just take them away. Uh, but there's that healing that's a process that we get to enter into. So I want to ask you this, uh, you know, what are some ways that we might recognize or maybe respond to trauma in our lives? And we have a slide for this one, and maybe mm -hmm. you can help us kind of walk sure. through what some of these terms might be. But these would be ways that we could recognize it in our own life. Yes. That uh, maybe behaviors. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I have a lot more on this list, too. But um, so for me, the startle response I have a very, very um, sensitive startle response. Like, I would jump. If his mic were to do something, I would jump out of my skin and freeze, right? And then I have to figure out what I'm gonna do with that energy later. Most of the time we go into avoidance. Um, sometimes we dissociate, we get into a space. You'll see somebody where they're, they're completely checked out. It looks like they're spaced out. They may be dissociating um, because the experience is triggering them back to something. Nightmares, night terrors. Um, I was a sleepwalker. One day I wasn't, one day I was. Who knows? Um, hyperactivity, that's mainly in children uh, more often. The flashbacks, the memories. Um, again, reacting, being overreactive and not understanding why. People around you are like, whoa, what? That is 
but it, it's trauma coming back up. Um, let's see, what did the next one say? Uh, mood swings, the fear of dying. These take a little bit longer to come up. The, the, the ones that you just saw usually happen initially. These come over time, the frequent crying, panic attacks. Panic attacks are when you feel like you are gonna die. You can't catch your breath, your heart is racing. Um, just the slightest thing, to see some black boots, to see a roll of cookie dough. These are little things that trigger us um, into having these panic attacks and most of the time we don't even really know why. Um, but the mood swings, I think, are the one that we see most often. And then the loss of interest and avoidance. We've seen that a lot with kids and teenagers after COVID mm -hmm. is just this real fear of um, going back into a social environment again. So it's a lot easier for avoidance. So many have observed that we've all gone through with COVID a big traumatic experience, mm -hmm. right? I mean, our whole culture, world getting shut down, we're all in our homes, separated from loved ones, etc. Uh, is there a way in which we've all kind of experienced a trauma? What, what might that look like? Well, in my, what I believe is that, I mean, we all had to go home and then we were trapped. I mean, I lived in Austin at the time. I don't know what it was like up here, but down there, you weren't going anywhere. And so you couldn't run, you couldn't go anywhere, and there was nobody you could fight to make you not have to wear a mask anymore. I mean, there was really nothing we could do. And it was almost like coming out of a cave, right, when you started to be able to leave your house. And I remember leaving my neighborhood for the first time and being completely dissociated mm -hmm. because I had been trapped in this space for so long. It was like coming out of a, being in prison for a certain amount of time. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of my teenagers really, and college students, you know, they felt trapped in their dorm rooms and you know, the thought of having to go back and that could happen again, they really did feel imprisoned. And that's how it was processed in like trauma in a traumatic way. Yeah, one of the things I, I've thought a lot about is the fact that uh, oftentimes in our question, if somebody has COVID or got COVID, we'd always say, who gave it to you? Like who is responsible? Yeah. And then uh, it wasn't always someone else, it could be anybody at this point. And so I, I believe that that was maybe a trauma we're all going to have to uh, kind of work through a bit is that uh, now you could have done this to me and it's anyone that we love. But let me ask you this. So when do we realize that we've experienced a trauma? What, what kind of things do we need to pay attention to on our own selves? Um, as far as sensations or behaviors? Yeah. How, how would we become aware that we have experienced one? So... A lot, of, a lot of these sensations, behaviors, experiences, a lot of times what I'll hear from clients who come to, to me or parents of clients will say, oh, my kid is doing this. Well, really, that's the tip of the iceberg, right? That's, that's not what we're going to figure it out. And the tip of the iceberg is what's above the water. It's what's under the water that sinks the ship, right? So we can look at what the behavior is, right? I'm fighting with my spouse all the time. I'm crying all the time. I'm waking up in the middle of the night. Um... I have digestion issues. That's a huge one with men, by the way, men who do not work on their trauma, lots of digestion issues, um, headaches, fear, avoidance, isolation, um, racing heart, sweating hands, just things that maybe we didn't recognize before if it's an immediate trauma. But from the past, you notice like check in with your behaviors versus other people's behaviors. Do you do something you don't quite understand? Is there something maybe you think or do that makes you feel ashamed, right? And that's the thing about not talking about this is like Aaron was talking about the hallway. The way I use the hallway is get out of the hallway. It's dark in there, come out here into the light. Let us talk, right? Let me, let someone validate you and let you know that this is not a singular experience. Most of us have these things in common. 
So is it true that we can recover from trauma? Yes, I believe, I believe we can. Um, there is something I want to read this, post-traumatic growth. Um, and I love how all of the details of this. We are changed by our challenges in radically positive ways. New possibilities arise, relationships strengthen, we feel more empowered, have a greater appreciation for life, and a deepening in our spiritual understanding. And I get to see that every day. And it does take a little while, right? Like, my trauma was 15 years ago, but I can look back on it now, and that was the most beautiful time of my life. It was painful and dark and scary, and there were days that I didn't think I would make it, right, or want to make it. And now I can look back, and I get to be here with my family and living this life free of trauma and anxiety. And this, I wouldn't be this person without that experience. So it's definitely a process to be able to go from this worst moment mm -hmm. to be able to say, I'm thankful for this moment because it made me who I am and brought me to this place where I am now. Mm -hmm. But I had to go through all of that and redeem yeah. all of that to be able to get to that moment. And that's not instantaneous. And that takes some time, right? Sure. Especially with complex trauma. Um, and complex trauma just means that, you know, there's more than one thing that was happening at one time and it got a little bit complicated. Um, you know, if somebody right now were to fall out of the, what is that balcony? I mean, they're going to be hurt and probably pretty scared. So I could walk over to them and do EMDR on them. And that's a first aid for their psychological injury, right? So I've interrupted the trauma response immediately. But there's not usually someone in the church congregation who's going to go do EMDR on someone, right? We don't usually have someone who can immediately respond to trauma that way. So while we call the ambulance for the body, <laughs> yes. we'll call you to, to help with the mind. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, uh, so, hey, have we... Um, you know, how do, we, how do we get in contact with you if we want to come and talk more about this or we're, or we're seeing we might have some of these symptoms and we want to talk with a professional? What's our next steps? So Psychology Today is a great place to find because, you know, there's way more therapists out there than me. So Psychology Today, you can put in your issue, your age, your gender, your zip code, all of that, and they'll bring up the people in your area. Um, I'm located on there, too. I have cards back here where my office is. The office is right by the playground, so there are some cards there. You can email me. You can call me. You can talk to me here, right? I am approachable. You can talk to me. You can ask me questions. I don't mind. So if you want to talk, I'm, I'm willing to do that. And then I'll obviously call Chad or Audrey, and they know how to get in touch with me or Jake. Yeah, absolutely. We can get you in touch with her. Well, hey, thank you uh, for, for being here today. Will you, will you thank Natalie for coming and sharing with us today? Thank you for, for being a part of this conversation and we'll continue to be part of these conversations. So I want to share this with you as we end our time together. So this is Psalm 139. And I love this as we, we talked about this today because it's such a beautiful psalm. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going and my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways. But I love this part here, particularly as we talk about these moments in our lives, whether we're aware of them or not. Because we all probably have felt this way from time to time. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, that experience of being overwhelmed, that the darkness that I'm feeling 
we feel like that's just the way things are going to be, that that's all that there is, and that it's so overwhelming. And that's what this psalm captures is that feeling, that experience. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night all around me. Then it says this in verse 12, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is light to you. See, God is not surprised or overwhelmed by the darkness in our life. The reality is, is we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. Bad things happen. And God did not cause them. God does not ordain them to happen. They happen. Our world is broken. Accidents happen. There's sin in the world. This harm that we do and has been done. But our God has come to redeem and to restore and to resurrect. And darkness does not win. Darkness does not win in our lives, in our mind, in our body, or in our soul. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And I know that full well. So today I want you to know that that healing oftentimes is a process. It's a journey. I absolutely believe in miracles. I believe there are times where where God heals us instantaneously, but more often than not, it's a process. That God brings people into our lives, whether it's a church community, it's friends, it's professionals, it's a combination of all of those that come and bring us healing all throughout our lives. And we know that full well because that's how God saves us. That Jesus restores our souls and continues to work to restore us completely made whole the way that we were always intended to be. And so today know that asking for help is not a shameful thing. It could be the right thing. It could be the very thing that we need to do today. Asking help from God, help from others, help from those who can help us navigate those things in our lives. So I just want to invite you today as we pray is, and throughout this week to ask God to, to search you and to know you and to be completely open with a God who already knows you. To say, Lord, I lay my heart before you, my whole self, who I am, nothing hidden, nothing tucked away, nothing protected, but I lay it all out before you, God. Search me and know me completely. And if God brings to mind those places that we need to work on and to focus and to offer to God, to ask for help in, that we would take the next steps we need to in that. And if we can help you in any way, reach out to me. I can help you through prayer, maybe connect you to other people, connect you to Natalie, connect you to a Sunday school class, whatever it might be, so that you know you're not alone. Let's pray together. God, I thank you 
that each and every one of us are beautifully and wonderfully made exactly how we are. And that God, we've all experienced the worst that life can offer to us. Bad things happen. We're broken people. And so God, I thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, that you don't stop there, that you restore us, that you make us whole. And so, Lord, may we, each and every one of us, take that next step in that journey of being made whole, whether it's to give our lives to you or give that part of our lives to you that we've been holding back, whether it's to say to you, Lord, search me and know me, Lord, know all of my thoughts, know all of my emotions, know all of me, God. Know all of my past. Know all of my future. Know me completely in the present. All of it is yours, God. May you come and heal all of it. Save all of it. Restore all of it. Resurrect all of it. So I thank you, God. May our hearts, our lives, our minds, our whole being be open to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope this episode of Holistic and Holy has been helpful to you on your journey. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please reach out to us on social media and holisticandholy.com. Special thanks to our audio engineer and fellow creative, Jake Dickerson, for making all of this possible. We'll see you next time.